0: The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time, but it was a beginning.
1: Hello and welcome. This is the wind was a beginning a podcast about robert Jordan's the wheel of time this is season three episode 19 it's a trap
0: hello everyone great to have you with us once again here ready to talk some more wheel of time my name is Justin and with me as always is my good buddy Stephen Stephen how are you doing this
1: week I am doing good yeah uh, you know just excited to dive back in been, been, been busy been uh trying to
0: stay <laughs> stay afloat right
1: yeah uh, yeah it's uh you know they they call this time the slow season for my work but I don't think that's actually the truth. Uh, well, I I hope it's, uh,
0: I I hope it's not the slow season or, (laughs) yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how that goes, but, uh, uh, well, I'm ready to, I'm ready to just dive right in this week. Uh, I don't know if we have uh, too much other to talk about except to just get right into these chapters. How about that? That sounds great to me. I'm excited. Why don't you tell us what we're doing this week?
1: So this week, we're going to be looking at chapters 50, 51, and 52. So any listeners out there who have not read those chapters, please hit the pause button, go read or listen to them, and then come back. We'll be here ready and waiting for you when you get back and hit that play button to join in the discussion when you won't be spoiled. You have been warned. There will be spoilers ahead.
0: And now that you're back, or maybe just you know, decided to plow on through, you don't care about the spoilers. Hey, that's not on us. That's on you. But we'll go ahead and get ready to dive right (laughs) into chapter 50, The Hammer. As Perrin and company arrive in Tyr, we're reminded of the dominance of the stone over the cityscape. But closer to the ground, a look of melancholy dominates the faces of the citizens of Tyr. As Moraine and Lan set out to find answers in the city, Perrin can't resist the call of Hammer and Anvil, and for a moment feels at home again. But that blissful feeling can only last so long as a cold dose of reality brings Perrin crashing back to Earth. So yeah, we were, we were talking before, before we started recording. I, I love this chapter. <laughs> and I think we'll get into that as we go through it but um uh it, it's just it I just I really enjoyed enjoyed this chapter at least most of it there were parts of it I was like really could this not have waited you know a day yeah know, 12 hours something <laughs> but uh no it just wasn't meant to be hey at least everyone's in tier now yeah well I mean, <laughs> we're not a hundred percent sure about ran, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's here. Right. Didn't we see that? Didn't we see that figure ducking around the corner, uh, last episode? I'm pretty sure we know who that was. I don't know. Maybe it could have been somebody else as we find out, uh, there are other unexpected guests in tier. True. we find out a little bit later. So it could have been somebody else. Yeah. But maybe not. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll get to that. Um, is is Perrin kind of missing the wolves
1: a little bit? You know, I kind of think he he is on uh, maybe like a subconscious level. I well, don't think he really is like. I think he he's catching himself. Yeah, exactly. Because I I
0: picked up on that. I don't think I really caught it uh, the first time I read through. But as I was, I went back and you know I go back and I listen. Um to the audiobook, And I caught that, that there was a moment where he started to reach out for the wolves. Right. Only to find that they weren't there.
1: Yeah. And cause he's in a big city.
0: Yeah. Cause he's in a city and, and says, you know, it almost feels alone. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think he might be kind of. Man. Maybe coming around a little, like you said, at least subconsciously.
1: Well, you know, you think about it. Wolves are pack animals, so yeah. will wolves are not loners. And uh, so over time, I think he is developing. You know, I wouldn't say bestial qualities, but he is definitely in his personality becoming a little more wolfish. And I think maybe that's part of it is that he's that connection he kind of becomes used to yeah and when it's not there he notices it even if he's conscious even when he's consciously making the decision not to try and talk to the wolves i think he still is aware that they're there and right now he can't sense any of them he's there's no wolves to talk to and it's just kind of this isolation i think yeah
0: and i think i think you said the right word the connection yeah because I mean he's got the others that are with him, you know, he's got Moraine and Lan. I don't know if there's really much connection there. Yeah. He's got Loyal. <laughs> yeah. Uh and 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 Zareen, which that's a whole other issue. You <laughs> know. I I put um, you know, somewhere in my notes, if these two don't admit that they're madly in love with each other soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but maybe that's a discussion for another time um what's going on in tier as if we don't know
1: yeah so it, it it's very reminiscent of uh what was going on in both ilian and came one
0: yeah kinda... now, we remind me we've already talked about people having dreams in tier right yeah okay yeah because yeah. that ha- that was in that was in last week's episode. Yeah,
1: that was with Matt. two weeks ago, yeah. I heard about that. Um, so, is he that. Is so the only one that we had? I think we had... Uh, it may have been Nynaeve's perspective, maybe.
0: I want to say there was a mention of dreams from her perspective, too. Yeah. I can't remember for sure. I oh, know no, there was definitely was, the uh, one.
1: I think it was Egwene. It was well, Matt and Egwene. I think the, we got perspective girls, on that. The girls' yeah.
0: perspective. Um, I know definitely we got something from Matt because the innkeeper where he found Komar mentioned something about uh, seeing a, a redheaded youth with, you know, tall gray eyes. Yeah. Wonder who he could be talking about. <laughs> no
1: idea. Um, yeah. But this, in this chapter, you know, we talked in the last episode more about the dreams and things and their effect. But in this chapter, we're seeing more of the, just kind of this despondency yeah. and this sad like not outright sadness, but just like
0: Loyal uh, says that the people look defeated.
1: Yeah, that's a good word for it.
0: That that was his word. Now he had been in tear before and they didn't look that way, but now that's the way he describes it. There's there's just some some kind some Hope or you know something that's not there.
1: Yeah, that's like that the city before. It's like the city has uh has all turned gotten Eeyore syndrome. <laughs> yeah, very uh, much so. You know, it, um, it's everybody's walking around with their own personal little, little rain cloud. Um,
0: so yeah, yeah, they I, they they lost their tail. It needs to be nailed back on.
1: Yep. but uh you know it's interesting to see it you know cuz even for people you know even somebody who is a stranger to this place yeah you know can pick up on that this isn't normal <laughs> you know yeah. no it's one thing for a couple people here and there to be like this but for an entire city just it's weird yeah
0: um and maybe, kind of along those lines, and I did not put this in our doc, but I have it in my notes. Moraine says something before she and Lan go out to search for their answers. And I don't know if you can elaborate on it or not.
1: She says the pattern can be torn here. Right. So let me ask you first what you think she means, and then I'll tell you what I think she actually means. Let me go back and find that.
0: Uh, You know, honestly... Honestly, I don't know. I mean, honestly, when I read that, I'm just like, what in the world can she possibly mean? I mean, obviously... obviously we know that there's danger around and obviously we know that there are threats from the dark.
1: But I, yeah. And that's, she makes that comment in that conversation when yeah. she's revealing what she and Lan have uh, discovered about the city. Am I correct in that? That's, that's later on. That's, that's a little okay. later
0: on, I think. Okay. Cause this, this is before they go out and start looking for answers. Okay. Uh, Because we we haven't gotten to the the forge yet. Right.
1: Um, So, I think, in my opinion, um, she is using uh, disastrous language to get her point across. I don't think she's actually alluding to some metaphysical thing that the, the pattern is thin here or something like that. Right. I think what she's trying to do is get them to realize the severity of the situation. And what she's talking about is, you know, there are forces at work. There are things going on here. You know, the pattern, obviously there's prophecies. There's the pattern is supposed to go a certain way, but with, you know, the shadow is working in such a way that even that might not, you know, there's no guarantee. You're not safe. You know, your your thread could be snipped out of the pattern at any time. You know, I think that's what she's trying right. to do, is just kind of
0: once again reiterate... Im- impress upon them how serious the matter is. Yeah. Okay.
1: So. Huh.
0: Well, at least Perrin finds something to take his mind off things.
1: Yeah, thankfully. Uh, you know, it, it's just really the first time... Well, really, I think for Perrin, it's probably the first time since leaving home that he's kind of in his own element because pretty much from the get go, he's been like yeah. a fish out of water. Yeah. Uh, uh, more so than I think any of the others.
0: And that that's something that I really, you know, felt from these scenes in the forge is Perrin feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 he's for for that brief period of time, he's a blacksmith's apprentice again. And you know, if you ask the blacksmith there in tear, he should be more than an apprentice. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> just a full blown blacksmith. Apparently, Perrin's pretty good at at what he does. Um, and I don't know. I just really, I just love that whole that whole scene. The you know the just pairing in that element the detail uh, involved. I don't know anything about blacksmithing. Yeah. Um. I feel like I know a little bit more about it just from reading this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> like just the detail that Jordan puts in, you know, like the water barrels and, you know, all of those different kinds of things are just like, yeah, Hey, this is, It. I mean, I don't yeah, know. It feels it like be... you're
1: sitting down for a class in blacksmithing it, 101.
0: It could be completely <laughs> off the rails and have nothing to do with the actual trade, but I, I feel like I'm, you know, learning something about blacksmithing. Yeah. And I thought I was just reading a a, a fun novel. How about that? <laughs> um, I guess we do need to mention, you know, the reason. Um, uh, I don't know if it's the reason, but, you know, The blacksmith agrees to let Perrin help out because all of his apprentices have up and quit. Yeah. Uh, Because apparently they've been having bad dreams. Yeah. Um, Like everybody else in the world, it seems. But also to hear
1: him (laughs) tell it, they weren't really much of apprentices to begin with because he's, you know, he he later when he sees the level of craftsmanship that Perrin is able to produce. Yeah. You know, he's like, uh, well, none of my apprentices could, he, you know, could even try to do anything like that. And, yeah. You know, so I don't think he's missing, like he obviously is missing hands, but I don't think he's like tore up about missing any skilled. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think he had high hopes for them becoming anything more than just a set of hands to toss things to. Yeah. Uh, so in the long run, maybe he's a little better off without those apprentices.
0: <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I was really hoping, uh, reading this part of the chapter that, you know, this arrangement might go on for at least a few days. Yeah. You know, let Perrin come back in the morning and have a full day's work, you know, do that for a couple of days, um, you know, even let Zareen, you know, kind of pick on him a little bit like she wants to do and whatever, but uh, yeah. it just wasn't meant to be, was yeah. it? Yeah,
1: yeah, because everything and that is, I won't say it's a flaw, but I will say that as we reach the end of this book, everything is very compressed, mm. uh, so you know, you have these wonderful scenes like this, and it just seems like they're over in a blink of an eye. Yeah. uh, Because we're spiraling quickly to the climax. Uh, So, I feel like if this scene took place three books later down the line from this, that we'd probably get an entire chapter just of him in the Forge, and he'd probably spend weeks there, and we would go into, like, him folding like, it would... Like, if Jordan chose to put this scene later, I think it would have been what you're wanting. Like, yeah. Because things start to expand as we get further into the series without giving any spoilers. Uh, right yeah. now, stuff is just kind of like, wham, bam, it's, wham, wham. It's, it's going <laughs> it's really just, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: uh-huh. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning, simply because of some conversation we had last time about... Perrin, first of all, he, he still hopes that one day he'll just be a blacksmith. None of this traveling the world, none of this, you know, rescuing I eel from cages, any of that kind of stuff, just a blacksmith. Yeah. And kind of as a token of that dream, I guess you will, Um, the blacksmith here and here gives him one of his hammers. Yeah. Which kind of calls back to, I think it was one of Egwene's dreams of Perrin choosing between a hammer and the axe. Yeah. Well, he already had the axe, and now he's got the hammer.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we even see the scene in this chapter of him comparing the two, as he has the the axe hung on the wall while he's been doing this, and then he sits the hammer down underneath it, and he's, you know, the handles almost touch... Uh, The the halves are the same size. The wood is very similar. Uh, And yet, even though it's a 10-pound hammer, he picks up the axe and he says, you know, the axe feels heavier. The axe feels heavier than the hammer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he's already kind of, you know, that decision process has already begun. Yeah. But I have to wonder if we're going to actually have to see him have to, you know, Maybe in the blink of an eye, but he'll have to wrestle with himself over the two. Yeah.
1: Well, um, we remember Elias told him, you know, when he had concerns about the axe after the incident, that, uh, you know, and having to kill with it and all that, that Elias told him to keep the axe until he he just until he didn't hate it. If he ever came to a day when he didn't hate the axe, that's when he should drop it. So, I just don't think we've gotten there yet. No, we may not ever get there. but We may
0: not ever get there. Maybe we will. Maybe yeah. one day Perrin will be just a blacksmith. Yeah. But it will not be today. <laughs>
1: For a moment, he was. Unfortunately, no.
0: Yeah. But it will not be today because, unfortunately, we have to... Have a conversation with Moraine. And it's not good news.
1: Can we I did want to bring one thing I had in my notes about oh, this scene as we transitioned from the forge in back into the end to have this conversation with Moraine? Uh I think this little visit to the forge has kind of resolid has kind of shored up Perrin a little bit. Like mm-hmm. he's been feeling pretty lost. And I think at the end of that time, it's kind of just given him a bit more like pulling back together. Um, because, you know, land comes in and for the first time, Perrin is just like, no, I ain't going to, I ain't <laughs> going to take it. I'm he's like, he's ready to get, he's tired of the nicknames. He's tired yeah. of the, the, the people, uh, you know, thinking he is something he's not. And he is going to let land know. And, you know, he's prepared he follows Land over there, and he's prepared to give Land a piece of his mind, which, you know, it <laughs> Work, would have,
0: wow, well, in, that would be interesting. Yeah, working in the fort strengthened his backbone a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, the only thing that stops him is the fact that Moraine is there and basically cuts him off as he's <laughs> about to go just let Land L- have it.
0: Literally cuts him off. <laughs> yep. No, because <laughs> I think it I think it really is. I, I I could open the book and see, but I think it really is. Perrin walks in and is like, listen here, or, you know, warder or whatever. And then yeah, Moraine's like, no, Perrin, you listen.
1: <laughs> yep. That's that's exactly how it happens.
0: And <laughs> it's not good news. Um, New, no. And we kind of saw this coming. Uh, we were first introduced, if I remember, to the High Lord Salmon or Salmon. Yeah, Sam- I'm going to call him Salmon because Salmon sounds like I'm talking about a fish, <laughs> which it's tear. It'd be appropriate. Um, yeah,
1: I wonder if Jordan did that on purpose or,
0: or maybe Salmon. <laughs> I don't know. But the High Lord Salmon, uh, if I remember correctly, we were first introduced to him on a riverboat. Yep. Headed south. Uh, I think it was Matt and
1: Matt, Matt and, and Tom, Tom when yeah. they were
0: on the boat. One of the. It was their first boat out of Tar Valen, Yeah. Because it was a Tyre Captain, and he kept going on and on about this High Lord Yeah, that Tom had never heard of. Right. Who just suddenly popped up out of nowhere. And and here lately, we've been having an issue with Lords that just pop up out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, and nobody questioning it. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: it's happened in a few places, and it's happened here in Tier. and I think we kind of suspected that this high lord Salmon is he's one of the forsaken right bilal to be specific yep and <sighs> who can tell us anything about this individual
1: well think we have thankfully we have the uh the wonderful encyclopedia ogier <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: that was another thing i uh, another moment i really liked about this chapter is loyal gets a moment to shine yeah right
1: after he after he is uh, basically like <laughs> verbally whipped by moraine It's like loyal i need your knowledge i need But I don't, what I don't need right now is your long (laughs) (laughs) windedness.
0: I I need your long memory, not your long wind. Yep. Oh, but what can an Ogier tell us about one of the Forsaken? So I guess it, I guess it should be noted. uh, The reason... Moraine turns to loyal is because not only do Ogier have long memories, Ogier also have longer lives.
1: Considerably longer
0: lives. Yeah. She mentions, uh, I have it here. It's only been 30 generations since the breaking for the Ogier. Yeah. Yeah. It's been more than a hundred for humans. Yeah. So that, that is a significant Difference, but uh, if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind reading what Loyal has to say about Bilal.
1: Yeah, uh, go right ahead.
0: All right, Loyal cleared his throat, sound much like firewood tumbling down a chute. Bilal, his ears flickered out of his hair like hummingbird wings, then snapped down again. I do not know what can be in the stories. About him you do not already know. He's not much mentioned except in the raising of the hall of the servants just before Luz Theron Kinslayer and the Hundred Companions sealed him up with the Dark One. Jelanda, son of Ariad, son of Koyim, wrote that he was called the envious, that he forsook the light because he envied Luz Theron, and that he envied Ishamael in Lanfir too. In a study of the War of the Shadow, Moylan, daughter of Hamada, daughter of Juinden, called Bilal the net weaver, but I do not know why. She mentioned him playing a game of stones with Luz Theron and winning, and that he always boasted of it. He glanced at Moraine and rumbled, I'm trying to be brief. I do not know anything important about him. Several writers say Bilal and Samael were both leaders in the fight against the dark before they forsook the light, and both were masters of the sword. That is truly all I know. He may be mentioned in other books, other stories, but I have not read them. Bilal is just not spoken of very often. I'm sorry. I could not tell you anything useful. Uh, so humble. Yeah. <laughs> um. But there was some useful stuff in there, right? Wasn't there?
1: Yeah. I mean we We get an insight into basically it's a guy who went over to the shadow because he was envious and jealous of uh, the accomplishments of L- Luce Theron, uh, which I don't know that to me seems to be a theme with several of the forsaken. Like <laughs> honestly, I think there are several of the forsaken, and we'll you'll we'll learn more about them as we go. But I think if you removed Luce Theron from the picture, somewhere in the neighborhood of a third of the Forsaken probably wouldn't have betrayed the the light. Hmm. Uh, So much of their flaws come from having to try and live up to that man and their inability to do so and their hatred of him and their envy of his position. Uh, So which it's a very interesting dynamic because of how things worked in the age of legends. Like literally the people who had the most prestige, the people who were the most famous were the ones who did the most to serve other people. So Mm. it's a very strange thing that, you know, you have people being envious of a position that they gained basically by being a servant, which is, (laughs) is a a very backwards way of looking at it compared to our world. So, uh, but yeah, we have ball with so we know he's envious and we know he's a schemer. So uh, yeah, I, nickname the net weaver.
0: I, I'm interested in that name, the net weaver. Yeah, and and you know, considering how much in this book we've been talking about springing traps, yeah, or setting and springing traps, <laughs> um, you know it. Makes me think maybe you need to be a little bit more cautious around this fella. I yeah. mean, he's one of the Forsaken. We need to be cautious about around him anyway, but uh watch your step. Right. Yeah. Um and I think you know, Moraine kind of picks up on that and kind of thinks that's probably what he's doing now. He's trying to set a trap for Rand.
1: Right, because he wants Calendor. He
0: wants Calendar. Yeah. And he's trying to figure out a way to get it, but the only way to get it, and I think we talked about this last time, the only way to get it is if the dragon gets it for him. Right. So we got to get the dragon to tear, get the dragon in the stone, <laughs> and get him to take Hallandor, and then maybe, maybe he can take it for himself.
1: Which, it, it, you know, that pretty much tells us that the Forsaken are not all playing the same game. Yeah. Because Paul wants him in the stone, but yet we know from the little bits we've seen with Rand, he's still being hunted, people are still trying to kill him. Yeah. so Obviously, more than one person is interested in dear Rand at this moment, and not all sharing the same motivations.
0: Yeah, was it... um Was it Belaw that Lord Gabriel was talking about and calling him like a fool or something like that I mean I guess we can assume probably
1: yes I would imagine but he so. was
0: he, he mentioned what was his uh, the fool in tear yeah so we we would imagine that's probably he's probably talking about Bilal right Um. so and I guess it's not confirmed yet that Gabriel is one of the forsaken but it's all but confirmed come
1: on yeah if we it looks know it's like it, a fish, it smells like a fish, and it tastes like a fish. It's a fish, it's probably not a duck, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. but yeah, so we're in for some trouble. <laughs> uh, we've got this revelation, and then Moraine and Lan are setting out for the stone. Oh, but while they tell the rest to hang back. Go
0: ahead, yeah, but wait. <laughs> Uh Land just remembered something. Oh yeah. Uh there are Aiel in tier. Yep. And nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think one person might know, sort of. I think yeah. Jewel Sandar knows.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't know he knows. He
0: he doesn't know. <laughs> he he mentioned that he, he knew there were thieves. Or he had seen people skulking around in the shadows. Yeah, and he thinks they're thieves, but they're—he's probably seeing the Aiel in the city because Land kind of hints to the fact that you know they're 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 in the city, but nobody knows. They're keeping out of sight.
1: Yeah, um, but it also that does actually really say something for uh, Jewel and Sandar because Land's like, I saw three, and it, <laughs> I can tell you if there's three, there's more. Yeah, you know, they're not easy. You know, he said basically the rooftops and the chimneys of the city work as well for camouflage as the waste does. Right. Uh, so the fact that Julian has noticed, even though he doesn't realize what they are, he's noticed that there's activity. That's more than ninety nine point nine percent of the rest of the city of <laughs> Um. And oh. um,
0: but the mention of Aiel sparks something in Perrin's memory. From right. where he talked to the Iel, he met in Remen. Uh, something about the stone falling and the Iel leaving the threefold land, which, yeah. um is a mystery to Moraine. She doesn't know anything in the prophecies about the Iel, but it's not. It's not the prophecies that she would know. It's Iel prophecies,
1: right? And I think that you're seeing one of Moraine and the Aes Sedai in general's flaws right here.
0: Um, if they don't it, know it, it's not true?
1: Yeah. Because the <laughs> prophecies that she's talking about are prophecies that were given by Aes Sedai. Right. And so if it's not those, then, well, I, that's not part of the prophecy. So, you know, it it's a very much an arrogance problem with the Aes Sedai. Yeah. Uh, and, you know... I just wonder if that's going to become something that's going to bite them hard later on, because obviously there must be, you
0: know. Kind of like how Moraine is almost dead set that she's going to go to the stone by herself. Right. But Lan, Lan puts his foot down this time. (laughs) Yeah. He's not going to have it any other way. Um. But that's Chapter 50, The Hammer. Yep. Uh, Lan and Moraine are on their way to to the stone. Who knows what the rest of the group is going to do. I think
1: Perrin says he's going to go get something to eat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I think somewhere in there, trying to figure out what his feelings are for Zareen. Right. Like I said, if these two don't admit their undying love for each other soon, (laughs) (laughs) you know. Um be perfect timing. I think by the time we release this episode, it'll be around Valentine's Day. So yeah. you know, <laughs> perfect timing. Um, all right, you ready to move on? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Too bad we won't get any more from parents' point of view this week, but we'll move on to chapter 51. Bait for the net. Times are tough in tier, but it seems things are only going to get tougher for Nynaeve and the other accepted. Believing that Julian Sandar has found the Black Aja, Nynaeve is led into a trap. She and the others are taken captive to be used as bait themselves. And it seems Leandrin has an even more sinister plan in store. Um, I do want to mention as we dive into that, you know, these next two chapters are very short. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that there's a whole lot that we will have to say about them, but... Uh, I do want to mention as we dive into chapter fifty-one. It opens with Nynaeve thinking she gets a glimpse of a tall man with reddish hair and a swirling bl- brown co- brown coat. Yeah, uh, words are hard tonight. Um, just down the street, she 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 even sees what she thinks is a wooden flute case on his back. Um. But she can't be sure that it's Rand.
1: Right. And it's it to her doesn't make any sense that it would be because he's supposed to be on Almouth Plain.
0: Right. Which I and and one of the reasons I wanted to even bring that up is I I love these reminders that the characters don't know everything that we know. Right. Um, you know, because we know Rand's been gone from Almouth Plain pretty much the entire book. Yeah. Um, but Nynaeve doesn't know that. And I just, I don't know. It seems like it would be too easy for a writer. And I I mean, I guess a good writer wouldn't do that, but it'd be too easy for a writer to kind of forget that the characters don't know what he knows. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's, it's you know, I, it's just something to be said for, for how well, how well, how well, how well Jordan did in telling these stories, uh, yeah. And again, I, I just, I just love little, little details like that. They really, uh, I guess, make it more real.
1: Yeah, and it to me, really, it is his ability to do so on the scale that he does it. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know that there's any other writer that I have seen successfully do it on the scale that he will do it by the time this book series is over.
0: Right, because he has so many characters.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he we, we've only a...
0: just started scratching the surface from what I understand. Yeah.
1: And he, you know, getting into perspectives from so many different characters' point of view, he does a honestly incredibly impressive job of keeping straight who knows what who's seeing what who's been where like to a crazy degree by the time this series ends. Like you have so many perspectives uh, that it's, it's really something special.
0: Uh, Yeah. And I guess even though I haven't really gotten any of those books, hats off to Brandon Sanderson too, for his work in completing it. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so, and I will um,
1: say this Brandon does a good job of being able to continue and like yeah. not have characters mess up and not realize something. But as a person who has read his books, he does not take it to the extremes that Jordan does. He right. could, but he keeps it more. You'll see perspectives from other side characters here and there but his books tend to follow more of like a smaller cast. Okay. That's interacting with a larger world. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like we will get a, a chapter later on in the series. That's literally from the perspective of a random farmer. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, we, there are just, there are things like that, like people that yeah. don't, you know, it, it just really, the world is just so huge.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And, um I, I can't wait to get in more into it, but let's let's stay in tier for right now. Sure. Where you know Nynaeve notices everybody's bad mood. Yeah. She he kind of, has a bad mood. <laughs> she's kind of over it, right? She doesn't have a lot of patience for them. Yeah. Uh Egwene's still kind of being a little snot from yep. Nynaeve's perspective. And Igwane is kind of being a little snot.
1: I mean, really though, <laughs> does Egwene ever stop being a snot? Because You could argue that she doesn't.
0: Not lately, you know. At first, she was just a kind of a a a naive little girl. Yeah, you know, off on an adventure. But yeah, recently she's just been. I I agree, she's been very unbearable.
1: Yeah, and I know Um, that there are people out there that are just huge, probably equine fans. I'm just not one of them.
0: Yeah. Well, this is this is our show. It's our opinion.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um.
0: I don't think I'm annoyed by Egwene as you are, at least not yet. And, and at some points early on, I was very annoyed with her.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. You know, I'm a little bit more tolerant. Uh. Because I, from you know, it doesn't seem like naive is necessarily easy to live with either. So, yeah. yeah, I get it. I understand. Um, they're just you know, they're they're at a. Cr- a transition point in their lives, right? Where they're almost becoming equals. Yeah. And neither one of them knows how to handle that. Yeah. One, one can't handle the idea of the little girl that, you know, granted they are only seven years difference between them. The little girl that, you know, she changed her diapers is now on her level. And the other one kind of has that attitude of, "Hey, I'm on her level now. I can act yeah. differently." <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, at the very beginning, you know, to bring it back with the the whole thing with Perrin and the Forge, Egwene was naive's apprentice, basically. Yeah. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah, it's just a growing pains, I guess is the best way of explaining their dynamic right now.
0: It it, it is. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and it happens, yeah. It happens. Um, oh, if only they could have time to kind of sort it out, right?
1: Yeah, but um, they ain't gonna get it.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> you know, at first, you know, it, it sounds like Julian has good news, right. You know, when Ny- Nynaeve literally bumps into him as they're out in the street, and it sounds like he has good news. He's found the ones they're looking for, but but Nynaeve kind of picks up on, you know, he's nervous about something. Right. Right. And i would admit, and as I was kind of reading through this and, and going back and listening to it, there there were moments where I, I was a little suspicious. Of Julian? Right. Like, you know, is he as innocent in this as he appears to be? Yeah. Now, there are some details later on in the chapter after everything goes down that I think suggests that, at least from my perspective, yes, he's innocent. Yeah. That he 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 didn't do this by choice, but he leads Nynaeve back to Mother Gwena's. Um, to a trap, right? As Admiral Ackbar would say, "It's a trap." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, the Black Aja are there waiting, right? And have already, uh, they already have Egwene in a lane.
1: Yeah, and, and the four uh, wise woman <laughs> all yeah, bound up in the chair.
0: Yeah. And it it's not too hard to to get naive either.
1: No, she's vastly outnumbered, and they have her shielded before she even has time to think about it. Right. Uh, kudos to her, though, and this is something that, you know, I don't think... I think this comes from the fact that she is a wilder, so she's, you know, still relatively new to even being able to use the power... Her instinct when she's shielded is not, oh, no, I can't do anything. Woe is me. Defeat. No, she's just like, okay, I can't use the power. Well, I still got my hands. Wham. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Catch these hands. (laughs) Yeah, so she's just like, all right, well, you know, I didn't have the power all my life. (laughs) Watch me go.
0: Yeah, but how did Uh, that work out?
1: Yeah, didn't didn't go good, but I I I will say I appreciate the fact that she's you know she's not gonna give up without a fight, uh, so and her plan is good. It's just that you know she's vastly outnumbered, and you can only do so much when you're pretty much beaten into submission yeah. by invisible hands. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean they they had no ch- they had no chance really. No, um, you know. Maybe if they if they you know had a little bit of warning.
1: Oh, maybe. now if they had had warning, I think this whole thing would have gone very differently. Um, especially if Nynaeve had already been angry enough to channel from the get go, <laughs> uh, I think we'd be seeing a very different scenario. But that's not the case. Yeah. So. Um, um. So. You alluded to it, but what exactly is going on with Julian? Uh my impression it
0: what is it Leandrin says that he had to be persuaded where it was her word. Yeah. And it's apparently something she's good at.
1: Yeah. So um, do you remember a time she's done this before?
0: Well, my 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 mind immediately goes to when she lured the girls out of the tower. But I don't. I I, I think that was. I don't think that was.
1: Yeah, that's not anything yeah. other than just her using her position of authority to manipulate them. Right, but I'm, uh, I'm not remembering. Okay, so way back uh, at the beginning of Book Two, the Great Hunt. Yeah, the Ammerlin and some of the sisters come to Faldara. Leandrin is one of them, and what do you remember? What she does with the noble lady of the keep.
0: I uh, y- okay. You you know me. I forget everything. All right.
1: So in that <laughs> and that's scene, that's been a while too. Yeah. In in the beginning of book two, when Leandrin is there and she's trying to get to the like, she wants to find the boys. Yeah. Uh. And at at that point, we don't know that there's anything dark about her we just know she's another eyes to die but what she does is she uses a weave that she says is her special talent Mm -hmm. to compel Mm -hmm. the lady of the keep to to basically get the keep and all of her maids and servants to search for rand and the other boys okay I think it's the same thing here, it's compulsion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that's kind of the 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 cuz I know we've talked about compulsion before. Yeah. And that's kind of the gist that I was getting. Yeah, You know that was going on. Um so, Now with and, mother Gwenna, it it's it's all threats. Yeah. <laughs> they they just threaten yeah. her to keep her mouth shut. Yeah. But yeah, with Julian which you know, I guess speaks to his character that that's, do do you think they, you know, just did that out? She just did that outright. Or do you think maybe they tried, you know, threatening him first?
1: And it's completely possible or it's completely possible. He just got caught unaware and Leandrin just enjoys what she does. Cause I mean, she threatens and that's part of what happens a little later in the chapter. Uh, she basically tells Nynaeve that she's gonna do the same thing to her. Yeah. So
0: yeah, that, that was kind of the last point was what, what the Black Aja has pl- has planned for, for these girls. First of all, they're they're gonna be used as bait. Right. Um which know. who
1: do we think they're you being used as bait for?
0: My hmm. <laughs> My guess would have to be Rand.
1: Yeah,
0: you know. My, that that would be my guess. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. if 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 Bilal is behind all of this. Yeah, you know, and he he wants Kalendor, and the only way he's getting Kalendor is if he gets Rand. If they know that these girls have a connection to Rand, if mm-hmm. they if they're in danger, he's gonna come running. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's gonna be the only one. Um, because, no. you know, we've already seen Matt kind of take up that role, but Matt's not going to have anything to do with getting the sort, the, the, the calendar for, for the law.
1: Yeah. But it's um, interesting that we finally find out why tier. Uh, yeah. uh, and who's been, from best we can tell, who's been pulling the strings on the Black Aja here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then yeah. we of course get that final threat.
0: That he's sent for 13 Merdral.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I can't help but notice that, you know, the the Dark has a has an obsession with the number 13. Yep. <laughs> There's 13 Forsaken, 13 Merdraw, 13 Black Sisters. Yeah. Uh, which there, there may be more than 13, right? But in this
1: scenario, well, yeah. they're, they're the there are There 13. are 13, which is what's needed for to Basically to override the will of a person. Yeah. Uh, to force them to serve the dark. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. 13 also, I don't know if we've touched on this or not, but 13 is a full circle. So. No, I don't think we've. Okay. Well, yeah. then I won't say too much about it then because I don't think we've talked too much about it. Okay. I don't want don't to spoil anything, but. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of significance in the number thirteen. So,
0: and not just for Swifties.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't even understand that reference.
0: <laughs> uh, apparently, it's got something the number thirteen, something to do with Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. Um,
1: My wife been, listens to Taylor Swift. I they, have to ask they, her all the time. There's been a lot to. of
0: stuff in the news, you know, or not maybe not in the news, but on the, online about you know, the Super Bowl and Taylor Swift and the number thirteen, and it there's all these places that it's popping up. And oh, okay. it's I I just see things online, you know. <laughs> um and by the time you hear the soup the Super Bowl will be over, um I don't know who, who's gonna win. Uh it's not my Titans because they're not even in they weren't even in the playoffs. <laughs> Um, I think that does it for chapter 51, though.
1: Yeah, the girls Uh, are well and truly trapped and being used as bait for an even bigger trap.
0: And and I guess it's worth mentioning when they hear what uh Leandrin and Bilal have planned, they are genuinely terrified. Yeah.
1: You know, they 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 had been trying
0: to they had been trying to kind of Plant some seeds to make them think that they were actually setting a trap. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as Leandrin mentions that, all bets are off and they are truly terrified.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: at least Nynaeve and Elaine are. Egwene is knocked out. Yeah. Um But uh going to chapter fifty two in search of a remedy, Tom's cough has gotten worse. He's going to need medicine, and luckily the innkeeper of the White Crescent knows just the wise woman. And how fortunate that it is this very wise woman who's able to give Matt information that he so desperately needs. Paths are crossing, and a climax is building, as Matt leaves Mother Gwenna's with his eyes set on the Stone of Tear. Um... So yeah, if ever there was a moment where we see like paths crossing, yeah, it's this chapter, right? Yeah, um, you know Tom. Tom's cough is is has gotten worse, um, much, much worse. And uh, but for Tom, he says all I need to do is rest, and yeah. then I'll be back out there with you. Uh, no, Tom, I think you need more than, than rest. And, yeah.
1: um, his The stubborn old man part of Tom is coming out here. <laughs> yeah,
0: N- Never let it be said that Tom Maryland gives into the man cold.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, um, he's made a sterner stuff. Yeah. Um, I've given into the man cold before.
1: <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, Matt, you know he's given directions by the innkeeper. Yeah, uh, and you know it just so happens, interestingly enough, that the very shop they're directed to is the same shop Matt saw the very first night the that they entered tier.
0: Very first night they were in tier with the herbs in the window. Mm-hmm. And if I remember, it was it was mentioned in in the in the chapter where where Matt first arrived.
1: Yeah, he sees it in a flash of lightning. And and it
0: just, you know, it's just kind of a passing moment, passing reference. Yeah. And I think we I think we picked up on that when we were talking about that chapter. We did. Um but yeah, it just happens to be uh not only the uh shop that Matt saw on the first night he was here, but we happen to already know this wise woman. Yeah. We just spent some time with her in the last chapter. She was not in the best condition. But right. Yeah, we just spent some time with her in the last chapter. I, I do think it's worth mentioning uh, all of the clues that are are right under Matt's nose. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I, he has no reason to know that these are clues, right? He, he has no reason to really think that these could have any connection with the girls for, you know, he notices the horse and the wheel tracks outside the house uh, as he approaches, which is. I think he registers it as odd. Because he hadn't really yeah. seen anybody with horses in the city.
1: Right. And he actually just before that, he's making in, you know, his inner monologue is talking about how all the carts that he's seen are pulled by oxen. Right. He hasn't right. seen a horse. Right. And then he sees hoofprints. Right. And yeah.
0: But again, how would he know?
1: Yeah, you he know? wouldn't.
0: Um now maybe when he gets inside and he sees the three horses out back, you know, yeah. maybe. But still, that would be a stretch for yeah. Matt to put together. You know, unless he knew you know the horses that the girls were riding, right? <laughs> but I, 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 I still, I, I just think it's interesting how we have all these little clues to what's happened. And I think uh, at one point I had written in my notes, you know, how long has it been um, since the girls were taken away? But we do get a little bit later uh, in this chapter it's been about three hours. Yeah. I mean, so they, I mean, really in so many ways, they just, Matt just missed them.
1: Right. And I guess my question to you is this, you know, we talk about Matt's luck all the time. Yeah. In my opinion, his luck is what gets him here late.
0: Oh, I I was just thinking that (laughs) if he had gotten there earlier.
1: Yeah. He he would probably be dead.
0: he he would at least be in the same position that the girls are in. Yeah. If not dead. Yeah. So absolutely. You know, not only is it lucky that he gets directed to the very wise woman who has been housing these girls for a few days, but he gets led at just the right time. Like, the trail hasn't quite gone cold yet. Right. <laughs> but just far enough out that, you know, he didn't get caught up in the middle of it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it really is, you know, all about Matt's luck. Yep. Can um, we talk
1: for a minute about poor Tom's fate here? <laughs> oh, he just needs to suck it up. <laughs> uh i
0: mean i don't know i mean you know yes yeah, some medicines can be pretty nasty
1: well i mean it's it's a little worse than that though because you know he's got to take that bad medicine he hates it and then matt's like okay i'm off to the stone uh mother gwenna keep him here yeah <laughs> and tom's like no don't leave me yeah. don't make me stay with this woman <laughs> and right. then matt's like take your medicine, Tom, and, and out the door he goes. Yeah,
0: I did love yet yeah, that one part from Mother Gwenna. You know, she'd never had a gleeman come to her before. Yep. She wasn't going to let the first one die under her right. watch.
1: <laughs> Makes me wonder um, if all gleemen are as stubborn about medicine as, as Tom or if it's just a Tom thing. Yeah. I think it's just a Tom
0: thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess we haven't met too many other gleeman but... Yeah. Uh I don't know. I just that's that's the character we've come to know from Tom Marilyn.
1: Yeah.
0: But um I do you know I I and maybe it's the luck again. But even after all of those all the threats Matt is able to convince Mother Gwenna to give him the information that he needs right so mm-hmm. um yeah i mean he she pretty much tells him everything everything he needs to know you know the girls are in the stone are being taken to the stone yeah uh, at the hands of isa which at first matt was like oh that's great
1: <laughs> yeah
0: until he realizes uh no, that's not so great. Uh, Mother Gwenna has to kind of bring him back down to earth on that matter, right? Because um, the girl, you know, talks about how the girls fought, how they were treated. Um, but at least now he knows where they are, and he's determined to get them, get them out. You remember that time when Matt said he wasn't a hero?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I feel
0: like for like the past. You know, I guess maybe even going back to when they, you know, disembarked in Andor, Matt's kind of been playing the hero a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm th- I'm thinking back to when they first got off the boat, and you know, he helped out that, um, uh, I think it was a mother with small children. You know, gave him gave him some coin. Yeah. I think you know, but I mean, ever since then, I mean, you know maybe even before that getting Elaine's letter to more and trying to tell more what he had overheard. Yeah. And then deciding, Oh, I'm going to go after them myself. But Matt's not a hero. No. <laughs> Matt's not a hero. No. Um,
1: at least he's in his mind, uh, he's not a fool with a big heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah that really I mean outside of the fact that <laughs> everything seems to be heading to the to the stone of tear
0: yeah uh, that's there's not there's not a whole lot in this chapter I mean if even less than the previous chapter yeah um I I guess maybe something to touch on is the way Matt says goodbye to Tom <laughs> um almost as though he expects not to see him again yeah but i mean you know there's only the matter of one of the most impregnable fortresses ever built and trying yeah. to get into it yeah to consider so
1: not to mention once you get in it's literally full of an army of uh I say it's Terrans. full of
0: it's full of dark friends you know Aes Sedai, oh, oh just one of the forsaken yeah at least one
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so who who knows what Matt's getting into yeah uh, but we'll have to find out next time.
1: Yes, sir. Maybe,
0: I don't know. Um <laughs> maybe we'll find out what Matt's getting into. Maybe not. Um any final thoughts?
1: Um hmm. I guess uh just agreeing with you that I really I really love the, the forge scene. Uh I think yeah, of the the first three books, it's probably one of my favorite scenes. Um, yeah, it's it just, was. There's, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of depth to it, and yeah. for and for that kind of feeling to be evoked from just such a small little snippet, I think really just talks about how well written it was. It uh, was,
0: you know the 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 blacksmith that he was working with talks about Perrin's masterpiece, right this was a masterpiece of, of literature. Yeah. Just this small little snippet. I mean, I could mm-hmm. really feel it. I, I I loved getting that glimpse of Perrin just able to forget everything. Yeah. For just a moment. And I'm sad it couldn't have lasted longer for him. Yeah, I really am. And also I love how paths keep crossing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, we we just we keep miss just just missing each other uh at these various junctions. And um I have to think that everything's gonna converge as we get to the end of the book. Yeah. Which is getting closer. We're getting close to the end. Just a couple more episodes, I think.
1: Yeah. Not um, much left at all, but a, yeah. a lot to cover and what's coming up.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is quite Quite a bit. Um, Anything else?
1: I think that's about it for this week. All right.
0: Well, with that, then we will say thank you for joining us. Once again, we love having you with us. We, we love getting to talk wheel of time together. um, But we're glad that there are so many that are listening, joining us when we have Mm -hmm. these discussions and, uh, interacting with us on social media. You guys have been doing that a lot more and we're thankful for that. Um, speaking of, our social medias uh, are, should be in the show notes. We're on Twitter, aka X. I don't know what to call it anymore. Uh, <laughs> we're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. You can email us. Uh, we can make sure that information is in the show notes. I think it is. It usually is. Yeah. Um, don't forget that new episodes are released every other Tuesday. Remember, we're bi-weekly now, um, so every other Tuesday. Um, and if you want to just make sure that you get every episode, when it comes out, subscribe uh, to those episodes. Follow on Apple podcast I think is the term that they use now. Wherever you get your podcast, whatever you have to do to get this episode in your feed when it's released, make sure you do that. And if you can, if it's not too much trouble, leave us a little rating, leave us a review. Uh, We would love to have those as well. Uh, Steven, what are we doing next time?
1: So next time we are going to tackle chapters 53 and 54.
0: And I got Um, a feeling that's going to be quite a discussion. yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So make sure you read those chapters over the next two weeks and we will hopefully be back with you Uh, for that discussion in a couple of weeks thank you for joining us once again and hope you have a wonderful rest of your week so long everybody see you folks